This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. Today we have a very special guest with us, no stranger to the podcast, Apostolic Theory. I'm very excited about this episode. Um, it's needful and it's important. So uh, t- today our guest is, is uh, Elder J.R. Enzi, incredible minister of the gospel. Uh, Brother Enzi, would you just uh, introduce yourself uh, and tell our listeners a bit about you? Well, thank you, Brother Crooker. I'm honored to join you for this discussion. I appreciate the invitation. Uh, I serve as the associate pastor of Living Way Church in Conroe, Texas, uh, with my son, who is the pastor, and uh, I've been in ministry for about 66 years, and um, God has been good to us. I've been able to serve in a, a number of capacities and been honored to do so, and and uh, so here I am in the latter stages of my life, but I'm still having a good time and uh, enjoying being with men like yourself who are out there getting the work of God done and active in, uh, in evangelizing and, and promoting the gospel. And I'm, I'm just so happy to be with you uh, here tonight on this podcast. Amen. Praise God. So um, we'll, I guess we'll just get right into it. Uh, talking about uh, the the Bible and and how the Bible correlates um, to science and and so it, it's often said uh, by uh, you know believers and and unbelievers alike that the Bible is not a scientific textbook and uh, unbelievers see it as containing many unscientific or not sciency statements. Uh, how would you respond to these views? Well, although the Bible was not written as a textbook um, for science students, it is full of scientifically verifiable facts. It was written in such a way that people of faith reading the Bible in, at, at any stage of history uh, could relate to it and draw truth from it and draw inspiration from it and draw direction from it. It was uh, created to be a spiritual guide for believers with a, uh, a historical background that is accurate and to provide actually a, a little peek into the future existence beyond this life. So, uh, however, the pronouncements regarding scientific uh, matters uh, cannot be uh, construed as false when understood in their context and in their literary style. We're wise to trust the Bible, for it says in 1 Timothy 6.20 that we should avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely 
so-called. I think that's good advice. Amen. Do you think uh, that America is becoming less Christian as a result of a loss of faith in the Scriptures? And if so, how can this trend uh, of of this decrease uh, be reversed? Well, I think it would be an accurate assessment, uh, as you said, that our culture has and is purposely undermining the scriptures in our schools and colleges, and we're losing our trust and our confidence in the authority of scriptures. Uh, They're joined, of course, by the entertainment industry and the media and the government, and even some of the more liberal church denominations uh, have have undermined uh, many of the scriptural uh, basis for what we believe and teach. America is actually becoming less Christian every day. From 90% in the 1990s, uh, people claimed, uh, I think it was something like 90% of people in America claimed Christianity as their religious belief. Now, that didn't mean they all went to church every Sunday morning, but it it meant that 90%, and this came from a Fox News poll just recently, that 90% back then believed in Christianity. Today, the number is 64%. And I think it's because of a, of a lack of faith in the Word of God as our final authority, with perhaps the greatest impact primarily happening in the areas of creation and family life. True science is not contrary to biblical creationism. It actually confirms it. Medicine verifies it. Archaeology corroborates it. And nothing truly scientific has ever disproved it. Wow. So when people, and we hear this a lot, um, even recently, you know, we were coming through this um, this age of, of, of COVID and you had uh, the science says this, the science says that. Uh, when, so when people say science or something that is scientifically accurate, what do you think that they mean? Well, I think the, the word science and uh, scientific it means that something, a theory, or what is assumed to be a fact, is able to be tested, it is able to be observed, and it is able to be repeatable. By, by testable, we mean that a theory is capable of being proven, whether it is true or false, by objective testing. By repeatable, uh, it means that a scientific result is repeatable if doing the same experiment over and over again produces the same answer. Observable means that a theory has a, a physical quantity to it that can be measured. Its physical attributes can be seen and observed. But evolution fails in all of these areas. That's why we say that it is not scientific. Faith trumps the false science of our times and is supported by the facts that are observable, 
repeatable and testable and even falsifiable. So you use the terms testable, observable, repeatable. What exactly is meant by that terminology? Well, as I explained there, that each one of those uh, are a, a way in which we can determine something is or is not scientific. And um, if it's repeatable, if, if, a, if a test is, is made and that can be repeatable and it gives the same answer over and over, if it's observable, if it can be seen and by those who are objective thinkers, and if it can be repeatable, uh, then you can produce statistics. So uh, that's where statistics come from, is it, it being able to be repeatable, to be scientific. That's what we mean by those terms. So would you say that we're giving science a, a bad reputation, um, the way that government is using the term for its own ends or means to an end? Um, because it seems to be confusing people um, and, and diffusing the truth. W would you say that that's true? Well, who believes that the government followed science during the COVID epidemic? Probably not very many. Who believes they're following biological science when they say that they can't identify what a woman is or whether men can give birth. Although the Bible is not a scientific uh, textbook and does not speak in current scientific terms, it has always been way ahead of science. How is that? And what do you mean by that the Bible is, is ahead of science? Because there are a lot of critics who take a dim view of the Bible being accurate in regards to its scientific statements. Well, yes, they do. But let's look at some scriptures that include some facts and information that modern man, including scientists, have just been finding out in the last two or three 400 years. For instance, in Job 26 and 7, the Bible said God hangs the world upon nothing. Until about 1650, scientists did not understand that. They conjured up all kinds of goofy ideas about how the world was uh, fixed uh, in the universe. Gravity that keeps the world in place was unseen and unknown basically before Isaac Newton discovered it and identified it. In Leviticus 15, 13, it says, And when he that hath an issue is cleansed of his issue, then he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing, and wash his clothes, and bathe his flesh in running water, and shall be clean. Now Moses could only say that 3,400 years ago by inspiration because it wasn't generally known until about 1845 that running water was the key to hand washing by uh, medical professionals. They had been washing their hands in a pan of reused still water. Until then, it is said that 30% 
of women giving birth in hospitals died. So the scriptures were way ahead of science, you see. In Leviticus 17, 11, it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, what does that mean? And, and, and what information can be found in the blood that such a statement would be written in the Bible? Who knew? No one but God. The Bible's author, he knew that blood reveals much about the major organs of the body. It's why we do blood tests at every doctor's major physical. Until 150 years ago, however, they would bleed people who had physical ailments, thinking that the problem was likely tainted blood. George Washington, our first president, had 40% of his blood drained from his body when he died. So actually, they probably killed him by doing this draining of blood, thinking it was stained. And this was often done back then by barbers. The reason the barber poles are red, white, and blue striped back in the Renaissance area in Amsterdam, the surgeons used the colored stripes to indicate what uh, they were prepared to do. They would bleed their patients, which was indicated by the red stripe, or they would set bones or, or pull teeth, represented by the white stripe, or they would give a shave or something more, uh, if something more urgent was needed, then thus the blue stripe. <laughs> actually, barbers actually did that. And so they bled people. It was, but, but God knew that the life was in the blood, and he said it in the scriptures. They were way ahead of science. In Leviticus 13, 46, the Bible says, All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Now, isolation and quarantine of patients with communicable diseases uh, is a relatively minor practice, um, a recent practice, I should say. Doctors don't know or didn't know until recently how diseases spread uh, by germ transmission, and therefore they didn't quarantine people who were sick. But see, God knew how these things operated even back then thousands of years ago in job 40:22, the bible speaks of the circle of the earth the word indicates spherical not flat not square for thousands of years men of knowledge particularly europeans feared to sail very far from the shore thinking that they would sail off the edge of the earth columbus and others began proving them wrong in 1492 it's amazing that there still exists today what is called a flat earth society with many so-called smart people as members of the flat earth society. You know, ironically, there are still um, a significant number of people um, who believe that, that the earth is flat. Um, so that, so it's interesting uh, you know that that we have 
as a society come to know all these different things and yet, and yet we'll we we'll always have people who are a bit behind uh uh behind the times if you will um uh, but but that helps clear up some points um that some people may have had questions about um you know, that, that a lot of people like to bring up. Uh, but, but what are some other examples of, of the Bible's advancement beyond secular sciences? Well, let's look at Psalm 8 and 8, where it mentions the paths of the sea. Uh, this always made skeptics a very... Uh, uh, they, they would sneer and say, see, the Bible is, you know, there's no paths of the sea. But Matthew Maury, who became the father of oceanography in the 1800s, he found that there were indeed paths in the sea, or currents, as we call them today. And others determined that there are paths in the air, the jet stream, and so forth. So, uh, way ahead of science, the Bible was always putting it out there just right and truthfully. In Job 38 and 35, it says, Canst thou send lightnings? God asked Job this question. Only in 19, or rather 1864, it was discovered that light waves and electricity were different forms of the same thing. Electromagnetic waves. They can travel at the speed of light. That is why you can carry on a conversation with someone on the other side of the world as though they were standing right next to you in the same room. Only 150 plus years ago did we begin to figure this out. But God knew it from the beginning. I particularly like this one. Nearly 2,000 years ago, the Bible stated that the first man, Adam, was of the earth earthy. The second man, Jesus, is the Lord from heaven. That's in 1 Corinthians 15, 47. God, having fashioned Adam's body from the soil of the earth and breathed life into it. The name Adam actually means dirt, more specifically red dirt, or as uh, you could interpret it, a son of the red dirt. As he was, so we are. Scientists today have come to the conclusion that indeed uh, approximately 99% of our bodies are cons uh, comprised of just six chemical elements. Oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon, calcium, and phosphorus. Again, science is out there confirming the word of God. So coming back down down to earth to, to take up where you left off there, many textbooks in our society suggest and, you know, many schools promote um, that mankind has been around for at least a million years, and some say even longer than that. Um, are you a young earther, and do you think that the earth came into existence billions of years ago? Well, now, I'm pretty old, but I wasn't around when the heavens and the earth were formed. 
So I can't definitely say exactly how old the Earth is in number of years, but I lean toward a young Earth understanding. Some have attempted uh, to age the Earth by measuring the space uh, from faraway stars to the Earth and calculating how many light years it would take for their light to reach Earth. So they come up with an astronomical figure for the Earth's age. But when God made things, Brother Cooker, he made them to appear older than they were on the first day they existed. For example, he didn't make starter stuff like seeds or babies. He made things that looked fully mature on the first day that they existed. Adam may have looked like he was 25 or 30 years old. Trees stood 40 feet tall on the first day that they were made. When God said, let there be light, at that instant, I believe there was light. Not light starting out billions and billions of light years ago as a pinpoint somewhere in space. But starlight was here. Rock layers that make Earth look old were made to appear that way by the flood. The Mount St. Helens experience has proved that. Over 80% of the rock uh, on the Earth's crust is sedimentary, meaning that at some point the Earth was totally covered by water and that the rock was formed by resettlement. Many scientists tell us that Signs of human development date to only a few thousand years. The Bible hints at less than 10,000, perhaps even six or seven. So I lean toward a young earth understanding. So the Bible says that even the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Uh, so he was clearly, I mean, he created all things, so naturally he would be ahead of all of the brainy, pointy-headed professors. But it makes me consider that, you know, it's, it's no wonder that Paul, you know, would say to us, beware of knowledge, uh, or so-called. Exactly. Only when truth is conveyed are people truly educated. Otherwise, it is merely brainwashing or indoctrination within a particular political or religious narrative, often cast in the mold of so-called science. The science that our kids are learning today in schools and colleges is as twisted as a pretzel. I refer to the concepts being handed uh, out in our classrooms and touted by feminists, uh, and in the media and so forth, and, and by those who have sexually perverted minds uh, within academia and the government, they're saying that there are no differences between men and women. This is ludicrous because uh, there obviously are. And uh, they're saying that men can actually become pregnant and give birth. Just because somebody claims to identify 
as perhaps a member of the opposite sex doesn't mean that they are indeed what they claim. The claim, of course, is not testable. It's not repeatable. It's not observable and can certainly be falsified. So it's not science. The transgender movement has undermined not only the Bible, but common sense and true science itself. Uh, you know, and so when we're talking about, you know, how you identify, and uh, I saw this I saw this video clip just the other day um, along the same vein. And in this video, um, this teacher was saying that doctors had no right at the time of your birth to determine your gender. And that doctors needed to start saying, we think they are, you are a boy or we think. And so the doctors, when, you know, when, when you're born and they hand you to your, to your parents, they think, tell you what they think you are and not what you really are. And, you know, but, but it goes even down to the core of your DNA. You cannot change your chromosomes. You cannot change your DNA, uh, at least not now. Um, and, and I don't believe you ever will be able to change your DNA in a way that, uh, manipulate in a way that will change who you really are. Uh, because, the Bible says that we're beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made. Absolutely. He knew us and formed us in the womb and he had a plan for us. And so with all that in mind, you know, you, you consider how, how they're just trying so hard to make you believe it without any scientific fact to back it up. And so... In that That's same correct. in that same vein, you know, the Bible it never indicates that there's more than two genders. It says male and female. God created male and female, and it says that Eve is the first woman. And when she had the first baby, she said, "I have gotten a man from the Lord." And yes, so she, she knew exactly. she knew immediately whether Maybe. it was a boy or a girl. That's correct. As we see in the book of uh, Genesis there, uh, and that scripture, by the way, is in chapter 4, verse 1, where she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She knew immediately there uh, what he was. But we see in the book of Genesis there that man is a created being who procreates after his kind. Nothing on earth qualifies to stand against that fact. What uh, so-called science has done is to simply deny the existence of God and the Bible as a source of truth about our existence. And the unbelieving scientists have replaced Bible believers in the classroom of our nation's schools, colleges, and seminaries. And so they're draining our youth of their faith in the Bible and in the claim of divine creation, claiming that man evolved from something unknown or unknowable uh, like a single cell amoeba or some creature from a primordial soup which is not science but unprovable theory develops uh, developed in the effort to explain what is 
without a reference to God. That's really what they're doing. They're just trying to talk about science and our being and what is and try to explain it all without God. And that's impossible. Atheism and, and uh, evolutionists uh, declare that the God of the Bible doesn't exist. But billions of people since Abraham, Moses, and even Christ himself prove that doubts were not profitable, but faith could accomplish great and mighty works and things. Why do you think it is that faith is slipping away from so many today? Well, I'm not sure that I have all those answers, but I think primarily it could be laid uh, at a loss of confidence in the biblical record. They have so undermined the scriptures that that fewer and fewer people are coming to faith in the Word of God as as being authoritative. Uh, because you've got this being promoted, of course, by atheistic professors. You've got it promoted by entertainers, sports figures, people that we have put too much trust and confidence in. They are robbing us of our faith, especially in our youth. It is important as apostolic believers to reaffirm the Bible as our ultimate authority to our children and our grandchildren. Laws that govern society, like ours, come from the Bible. Definitions of marriage, the very meaning of life itself, all come from the pages of, of Genesis. We believe that man, because it's in the scripture, and because it fits with common sense and with what we see that is testable and observable and repeatable. We believe that man was made in the image of God. Animals were not. Man is of a higher order or kind. Humans are given authority or dominion, the Bible says, over animals and over the other elements of the earth as described in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. So turning away from that faith, away from Scripture, what set of behaviors do we see developing in our, our culture? You, you get hate, you get division, you get strife, you get enmity, you get abortion, homosexuality, lawlessness, abuse, crime, and of course evolution. We foolishly think that evolutionists are smart because they have taught each other unscientific falsehoods and then hand degrees to each other for having sat at each other's feet for a few semesters. Uh, a lot of scientists, uh, so-called, uh, interestingly enough, their sort of idea of, for instance, if you were to write a paper on some type of research you were doing or any type of science that you're invested in or, or studying, um, when you write a paper, it has to be peer-reviewed, which basically means you've allowed someone who believes the exact same thing as you to review it, and you completely, and that that's what makes you a good scientist, and we've completely 
eliminated um, this people like, you know, um, Albert Einstein, you know, he didn't go to anybody and, and, and look for a peer review. He studied it, he practiced it, and he, he proved it. And, you know, and, and so false scientists, they, they've turned a lot of heads in the last few years. Unfortunately, even in our apostolic Pentecostal youth, uh, and they're being constantly challenged uh, for their faith in the biblical record. And we're just expected to trust in some accident in space, uh, like the Big Bang, just to explain the heaven and the earth. Exactly. Uh, however, not everything, uh, I don't want to be misunderstood, not everything taught in college classrooms is error or unscientific, uh, of course. But when it comes to matters of being, of life itself, of absolute truth, the Word of God must be the ultimate authority. Jesus, in his prayer to the Father in John 17, said, Thy Word is truth. If you're looking for intelligence, wisdom, or even common sense, go to the book. I'm talking about the Bible. Here we find what God says about life, about the beginning of all things and the end of all things. And nothing in between there that he says has ever been disproved. For example, the scientists say that all of this evolved over a period of billions and billions of years. But God said it occurred in six days. In Exodus 20 and 11 says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. God actually chiseled that into stone himself with his own finger, according to Exodus 20 and 11. All scripture is inspired, the apostle said. So we, we believe that and we trust that because it's never failed. But the scientists say that man must have oozed out of the primordial swamps slowly over millions and millions of years. Since there is no evidence of that and plenty that affirms creation, I choose to believe the word of God. Absolutely. So finally, what it really comes down to is our own choice, doesn't it? Every person has to make up their own mind, but we have to have a foundation on which to make those choices, something sure, something proven. And could we even say something scientific? I think so. And, and that foundation is God's word. Science has been wrong over and over and over through the years. The Bible never. God wrote it down. It's permanent. You can read it 3,000 years ago. You can read it, and you can read it today. It hasn't changed, and it is still true. It is still provable. 
scientists pick and choose, unbelieving scientists, I should say, pick and choose certain Bible verses that they can twist to make them say something that wasn't intended to make their point. Their purpose is to create doubt and skepticism. But in the end, the Bible still comes out ahead and the skeptics are discredited by the facts. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you about, about, about death. When did death enter the picture and do you believe or did other creatures die before Adam and Eve sinned? That is a good question. Uh, since a number of um, anthropologists and evolutionists think man and animals have been around for at least a, a million years or more, uh, there's a lot of people wondering about that very thing that you asked there. Well, first let me say that Grant Jeffrey points out in his book, The Signature of God, uh, that if this were true, that men have been around for millions of years, or even, let's just say, a million years, and using the assumption that a generation is 43 years, that means that there have been 23,256 generations between the first couple and us. Figuring only 2.5 children per family, that means that multiplied trillions, actually, uh, uh, an incalculable number of people would be alive on the earth today rather than simply seven or eight billion. Even with death in the picture, evolutionists have a major problem with those facts. Death was introduced by sin. Before death of anything, man or animals, Sin entered the picture before sickness, before disease, before pain, before all of that stuff. God told Adam, he said, you will die if you eat the forbidden fruit of this particular tree. If you eat that, you will die. Death would be the major judgment for his disobedience. Sin had to happen before death. But scientists claim that the old Fossils that they find that seem to be old are hundreds of millions of years old. Impossible, according to science or scripture. They say that the first human walked over millions of fossil bones, which of course represent death. But originally, neither the animals nor humans were experiencing death. Here's the Bible in Romans 5 and 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed to all men, for that all have sinned. Death came along after sin. And so we know that all humans and all animals eventually die, um, but some extremists insist on us being vegetarians who should eat no meat whatsoever. Do you believe that our bodies were made to consume only plants, and is it therefore immoral to eat 
the meat of animals. So no steak, no pork chops, no chicken, no bacon, and so forth. <laughs> well, I certainly hope that is not the case. <clears throat> I, I believe that before the fall, the only food that um, man actually ate, well, well, that's all the only food that we're told he ate, was fruit. And perhaps that was all that was needed then, some kind of plant life. God did later say that it was permissible to eat the flesh of animals and birds and fish, uh, although he did limit the Jews to certain kinds of meat for obvious reasons uh, in that particular time frame. So you, you mentioned that they were uh, not permitted to eat certain things. Um, are, are we still limited biblically as to what we should eat? Well, I suggest that we turn off those extremists that are shouting about what we eat. According to scriptures, we're allowed to eat both plants and animals. There does not seem to be any specific limitations on our diet in these New Testament times other than our own uh, common sense. Even if God says we can eat all creatures, it would be unwise to eat something like birds of prey, for instance, uh, and flesh that we know to be toxic to human beings like poisonous frogs. God used animals to paint a picture of redemption for us in the garden. And just as sin wrecked the world God made, it would never, ever stain the new world that God is going to make in the future. That is why we used to sing the old song, Sin Can Never Enter There. Hey, folks, sin is a serious matter. Get rid of it by the blood of Jesus through repentance and baptism. Let God fill you with his spirit and get ready for the new heaven and the new earth that God is preparing. Sin came, then death came. Our husbands, our wives, our children, our parents, they all die. Why? We just have to say that since God made everything, including us, he sets the rules. Rather than blame God for our problems, blame humanity because it really is our fault. God didn't design us in this way. He didn't prepare us for death, but to live forever. And that is what he wants each of us to plan on by obeying his and the apostles' commands to repent and be baptized in his name and receive his spirit and live a decent and dedicated life thereafter. Anyone out there who is listening to this want to go to heaven? Well, that is the way right there. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And that is that is so true. And uh, Elder, I appreciate you joining us. Um, this has been a tremendous um, 
very informative, very tremendous session. I'm, again, so thankful that you joined us to share your, your heart, your wisdom with us. Um, but what I would like to do um, before we close out this episode, um, although this is a, an appropriate time, um, we're talking about science. We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about how we can have faith and trust in the Word of God. What is one thing, um, aside from everything else that we've talked about, what is one thing you want the audience, the listeners, to walk away from this episode with? They've listened this far, and uh, this is the unscripted question. I would say embrace the Scripture as your ultimate authority. Trust it, because there are many, many reasons to believe the Bible, to be the Word of God. It is. It has never failed us. It, has, it doesn't contradict itself in any way. It, it leads us in the right path and has for 3,000 years. So make sure that you pass along to your children and to your grandchildren. The faith wants to deliver to the saints. And the faith is wrapped up in that Bible. We don't have the apostles with us. We don't have Jesus with us in person. And, and we don't have the, the prophets with us and all of that. We have the word of God. Be sure you instill it in your children and in your grandchildren. Pass the faith along. That is the most important thing that uh, I could uh, leave your listeners with today. And Brother Crooker, it has, it really has been a delight to join you for this discussion. And I, I appreciate um, your your invitation. And I, I trust it will prove profitable for someone out there looking for answers. Amen. Thank you so much again. It's been, been my honor, my privilege to host you. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again in the future. Thank you. God bless you. God bless. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.